Welcome to Retirement Revealed. I'm your host, Jeremy Kyle, and we're here to turn your retirement savings into retirement income. And today we're talking with Hannah Magram about special needs planning. I got to meet Hannah through a mutual friend, and I quickly realized that Hannah knew so much more about so many topics that I wasn't even familiar with. So I decided we got to get her on the show. This is Retirement Revealed, where Jeremy Kyle and his guests guide you towards making smarter retirement, investment, and tax planning decisions. Anna, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. You got it. And I, I mentioned the special needs planning, but let's just have you tell us a bit about yourself and kind of your journey into this special area of financial planning. Yeah, so I have been a financial advisor for over a decade now. And at the beginning of my career, I did just general financial planning, like most people are probably pretty familiar with. And then a few years into working, I had my middle child whose name is Corbin. And Corbin is medically complex. And I remember very, very vividly uh, when we were discharged from the hospital, the social worker giving us two to three pages of like typed resources, go home, figure this stuff out and feeling very lost and frustrated with it. So uh, that led me down this path to be able to help other families. I uh, myself am also what you would call an ambulatory wheelchair user, so I can walk a little bit, but I use a wheelchair or other mobility uh, devices throughout my life, depending on the circumstance. Gotcha. And of course, uh, both of those are certainly things that will kind of put you down towards a different path than what might be uh, typical. And I've never heard that term before, medically complex. I appreciate you sharing that with me. I, I think that's a, a, a good term uh, for people to, to keep in mind when they run across a family that's got medically complex needs. Yeah, it's a good way that, because I believe very strongly in only sharing things that Corbin uh, is comfortable with me sharing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Corbin's eight years old and that, okay is a really good um, term to be able to use that he's comfortable with that kind of says he doesn't just have one or two conditions. Uh, He has quite a few, which makes him medically complex. Yeah. And how's he doing? He's doing wonderful. He currently is on the path that he really wants to be a chef uh, when he grows up. So (laughs) all things cooking in this house. That's great. I, uh, hopefully you'll get to the benefit of that for years to come. Right, right. Yeah, awesome. Well, we talked about this this special area called special needs planning. Just what is that? How is that different from, I guess, uh, I don't know, if we'll call it typical. What's How is that different from typical financial planning? Yeah, so um, this is planning really that focuses around individuals with disabilities or even uh, health concerns that have to navigate really, really complex systems that generally people don't well understand and certainly somebody who may not have uh, a loved one or they themselves are in those systems will know all the rules too. And so this specific planning is taking all those really complex systems and understanding how they get interwoven into the rest of somebody's financial plan. Yeah. And, and 
with that, you went and got a designation from a place called American College. I've got a few designations from American College that it's it's not a place where like you have alumni reunions or anything, but I guess we, we have a, a common common thing there with American College. But uh, what did you learn from that? What was maybe something that you you didn't know? I imagine you knew quite a bit to begin with just from experience, but what's something that uh, was new to you uh, from that? Oh gosh. So I feel like there's so much, like how much time do we have? Is it like, we're we're very limited here, right? So there's so much that we learned. Clearly I don't carry every designation that they um, offer there, but this is the only designation that really focuses around planning for individuals with disabilities and their families. And so as such, what's really interesting is this designation, while we're not attorneys, we don't offer legal advice, covers a lot of the legal rules that might exist for for families within various systems, just because we need to be aware of them. So we're making appropriate recommendations to those professionals. It also covered, you know, the history of disability rights and why that's important that we need to know that. But really, I would say the major takeaway from somebody who is thinking about going down this path or serving these families is you're really taught in order to effectively serve families like mine or other families out there or individuals is it really needs to be a focus of your practice that the continuing education that we might take as financial advisors is not adequate to cover the ongoing education we need to serve these families well. And so making sure that you're aware of the different systems out there following rule changes and all the really complex stuff that you can't log into a computer and do a continuing education for. Yeah, you mentioned uh, medically complex, but that turns into financially complex. And there's just a lot of complexities. We've got our, especially around retirement planning, and it's just great that you've got your specialty around special needs planning. And I think just it goes to show uh, just because you're smart, just because uh, you might know something about one area, if you're really trying to do the best thing for your friends, your clients, whomever, you need to find somebody that's in the the right shoes, gone through, gotten the designations, studied, even made it a part of their life, really, uh, for so many different different things. Uh, if you're trying to give somebody the best advice and you're certainly certainly doing that in the special needs area. Yeah, I um, kind of liken it to a hospital system. So pick whatever major hospital system that happens to be by you. And I really believe, particularly in this area of specialty, that families are best served by specialists that really understand those complexities. So just like your primary care physician, they can handle a lot of the day-to-day, you know, stuff that you might be experiencing, the general, you know, health maintenance stuff. But if you have a cardiac condition or a special condition, your primary care physician is going to say, you really need to see a cardiologist. Your cardiologist, in order to make sure that we're doing everything that we should do, that's who you need to see. They have the knowledge, they have the specific training, that's all that they do. And so I liken uh, things 
like uh, special needs planning or, you know, name any other specific financial planning to much like a hospital system. I think that is a way to make a, a resemblance that many people tend to understand. Yeah, you, you got it. Now, um, my wife's and uh, she's an elementary school counselor. And we often have conversations on how some people have, we'll call them uh, difficulties that are more visible than others. So she's typically dealing with the kids whose difficulties aren't visible. And so that's just an interesting you know, situation how there's seemingly sometimes more support to, to folks with the, the difficulties that are visible. And that's another topic, but I wanted to just uh, set that up, I guess, just kind of a, a, my background on how that's a, a conversation of how do we kind of be supportive to, to people who are seemingly kind of uh, living a typical life. But if you don't mind sharing with me, I'm just, I just, this question came to me. I'm just really curious if you wouldn't mind just sharing with me, how can somebody be more supportive or understanding when they're working with, meeting with, interacting with somebody who's, you know, maybe difficulties are actually visible. Like you, you've got mentioned a, difficulty that you have that is visible. It's it's in everyone's face. It's in your face. You can't get around it. And I'm I'm sure that's just a, a different situation than maybe what I'm used to. How how would I go about just being more understanding, more supportive? I think um I always recommend to people to proactively ask clients, you know, whether you're aware that they need an accommodation or not. I think at the very least, if you're meeting with somebody, just asking, is there anything that our office can do, our practice can do, um, as far as what would be an accommodation to make sure that you're able to fully participate in the extent that you can within these meetings or that we can serve you effectively in whatever capacity that we are able to do. And I, I think I always say, you know, it's interesting, Corbin, if he came in, you might not notice that he's got anything that's really different. You know, there mm -hmm. might be subtle things. And so I think just as a general rule of thumb, you know, we always approach it that we never know somebody else's story. And so I think if you're having client meetings or hosting an event at your house, this is huge for somebody like me is um, making sure that particularly if you're aware or if you're not aware of just, is there anything that we can do to make sure that if you need an accommodation, we can do that for you, whether that's food allergies or whatever right. that might be. And so just because I live in this world, you know, my son is in this world um, and my other two children and husband are kind of by association <laughs> used to it, I think it's just always asking and opening up that conversation and never making an assumption based on needing somebody what they can or cannot do. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. And I think the proactive part is is key. I'm just I'm just thinking through right here. I mean, like I said, there's so many visible, non-visible, you know, we're dealing with clients. Uh, it could be uh, all kinds of things where somebody might feel uncomfortable driving at night. And so if you expect them to meet with you at 5 p.m. in the winter, that might not you know, work out. There, there might be all kinds of things that um, wouldn't be kind of at first glance what you would expect. So I just I like that. Just almost making a, a standard practice uh, to right. be proactive about it. 
And I think, you know, bringing up winter, recognizing that somebody's um, needs might vary from season to season. You know, the winter yeah. could be difficult for some people because it's cold. Um, it can become snowy, you know, things of that nature. Whereas the summer can also become equally difficult for other people for certain things. So that's why I think just having it as part of your common practice of making sure that we're asking because that can go a long way in making sure that somebody has an accessible environment. It's Jeremy Kyle here, and I know you're listening to the Retirement Reveal Podcast because you want to learn more about making great retirement decisions. I've created a free video course for you to do just that. Head over to 5stepretirementplan.com and sign up to receive this video training right in your email inbox. We broke down our five-step retirement plan into bite-sized videos so you can get started on the retirement, investment, and tax planning you need to create a consistent retirement income. Go to 5stepretirementplan.com, use the number or spell it out, you'll get there either way. 5stepretirementplan.com. Thanks for listening, and now for the rest of the show. I knew if I threw you a curveball, you would knock it out of the park, so I appreciate that <laughs> the, the understanding and going along with us there. Yeah. Awesome. Well, another thing I saw is just, I was reading up on the designation, uh, the College, American College said that the designation was put together with the help of lawyers, financial planners, psychologists. And I thought, wait, psychologists, like, I, I get the kind of the money, the numbers part, like, tell me how a psychologist would come into play into, uh, into this designation, into special needs planning. I feel like your wife would be able to pick up the answer to that. Yeah, I'm sure she could tell me and probably slap me across the face. Like, come right. on, are you? Have you paid attention in any way? No, and it's it's because the first whole section of this designation we cover education law, and so it's learning what topics like IEP and 504s, um, as well as case history. You know, actual cases that have gone to the Supreme Court or things of that nature. And so psychologists, as your wife would tell you, would say they can be a really integral part of administering all those services and supports within the school district. So they're really an important part of this designation and really understanding all those services and supports that our families or individuals might need to rely on. Coming up in the I like uh, alliteration and different uh, easy ways to remember things. But so far, we've got services, supports, and systems popping up throughout our conversation. And those are just uh, its kind of just a different topic. Like, I don't read about that in the Wall Street Journal. And can you just give me an example of how, uh, let's just go with the education system. Give me an example of how the different services or supports within the education system kind of apply to financial planning then. Yeah, so... An example of how this might directly affect clients that I work with when I'm working on a financial plan, you know, just you're a financial planner, right? You start to look at cash flow and figuring out what resources somebody might have for various needs, goals, whatever that might be. And so within the type of planning that I do, it's not uncommon to have families that are paying out of pocket, maybe for occupational therapy, uh, physical therapy, speech therapy, you kind of name it. And so because I have all that additional training, I'm able to identify, hold on, 
are these things that possibly the school system should be providing through what's called an individualized education plan? And so for some of these families, I've been able to assist them knowing how to ask because families, unless they've gone down that path before, don't always know how to ask or what a school system may provide. And so for some families, I've been able to assist them knowing how to ask so then they could implement that, they could go to their school system, they could request those services and supports. And um, I've had some families that have been able to save a couple hundred dollars a month because then the school system is maybe providing that physical therapy or speech therapy and that's been adequate. To the most extreme example, I've had some families actually save thousands of dollars because they were doing really intensive um, tutoring specifically. And so once they determined my child should be getting this stuff at school, and once the school said, we agree, that that was a huge strain off the family's budget. They could use that money for other purposes, or quite frankly, maybe it just kept them from going into the hole. Yeah. And so far, these terms, IEP, 504, those things, uh, I'm hearing from my wife uh, all the time. One thing she runs into is that some parents don't want to have a label kind of put on their child. And yet you're saying that having this, I'm going to uh, re-change re that wording to qualification. Like having that qualification might get them more services. And that's what she sees of, like, I, you know, you can't, you have all these rules, you have this system that's that's there. And until maybe the uh, individual or family accepts or the ability for the school to add that that name, add that word into the file. Like they can't even do that um, system because they, they have to put the resources towards the people that qualify uh, on there. Right. That's, have you run into that at all? How's that kind of worked out or how can you um, kind of guide people through that mindset or thought? Yeah, so I have. So I am somebody that has a disability. So I think the first thing um, that is important to know is the word disability isn't bad. Sure. You know, use it, be comfortable with it. I am an individual with a disability. And so I think so often, uh, sometimes people that don't have disabilities can have a lot of hesitancy around using terms that they might deem as sensitive, such mm -hmm. as the word disability. Like, yeah. like I said, I always encourage just to use that term. But particularly within an IEP, uh, so that individualized education plan, you have to meet one of the categories of disability to qualify. And that can be really, really tough for some families because there can be some disagreements on the category. You know, from my um, experience with helping some of my clients, Sometimes what becomes helpful is we kind of talk about each of the categories of disabilities. And I simply ask the family, would this category apply to your child? And the answer is no. And so sometimes that's been helpful for them to then see, oh, I understand why maybe that one was selected. And it's not that every single time the school district picks a category of disability, it's always the right one. You certainly can say that it's not, you can, um, you know, really try to uh, select a different one that you feel is more appropriate and work with the school on that and go through that system and that process. But 
that can be tough. That really can. And I talk about particularly kids that may not have a formal diagnosis that can feel a lot like some families, like a grieving process in a very strange way. And that's because this is who your child was. Now there's this diagnosis term, you know, the school's not diagnosing them necessarily, but there's this term. And so for some families, I have found that they go, oh my gosh, I didn't know that this applied to my child. And they start to think about what does this mean? Mm -hmm. What does this mean for them for five years from now? What does it mean for 10 years from now? And so I always remind them that it's just the category that's going to get them those services and supports. It does not define who they are though. Yeah. And I um, appreciate talking through that because I feel like the default word is label, but you've mentioned term, word, name, category, qualifications. And these are, these are all things that uh, are designed to make sure that you've got the right system and support in place for that person. And uh, oftentimes it's a parent, even grandparents that's maybe going through that school system and they might not have had the opportunity else caught uh, to do this for some of their other kids or grandkids. So do you, what tips do you have? If you're, if you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, you're trying to navigate the school, school system, what, what should they be looking for? How, how can they start there? Yeah. So I have three critical tips that I give to any family going into one of those meetings um, who may not be comfortable. One is take somebody with you and take somebody with you ideally that is comfortable within that system. Um, Whether that's a professional advocate you hire, whether that's another family member um, or family um, that has gone through it, something, take somebody with you. Even if it's just your best friend and they have nothing to have to do with the school system and they don't understand it, I think just having that emotional support can be really, really beneficial. It's another set of ears to hear things, to ask questions. Um, The next thing I would say is you don't need to sign anything in that meeting. And so if you can't take anybody with you, if you're not sure, if you don't feel confident, you absolutely have the right to take that draft paperwork home with you, take the time that you need, and um, make sure that you feel really comfortable signing it. And then the final thing I say to families, and this is like magic, it opens doors, is if you make a request in a meeting and the school system says no, ask for the response from a school district if they say no, and either depending on uh, the format, either a PRO1 or PWN, prior written notice, because what that means is the school must document the no and the reason for the no. And so that gives you the information you need to know um, whether or not you need to go down the path of turning that no into a yes. Or for some families, I find when they have that documentation, maybe that's enough for them. And now they know the reason behind it. Yeah, you got it. You might have noticed I was typing that down. I'm writing these down because these are great tips and I'm going to make sure that they're in our, our show notes. And so we'll, we'll have those in there for everyone. Awesome. And it's been a lot of fun here. I've got one more question for you, but before we get there, uh, tell us what's the best way for people to reach out to you. 
Yeah, so they can either email me at hannah.magram at thrivent.com. And again, we'll have that all in the show notes. If you're driving right now, which is most people, I think, on podcast land, uh, we'll have that right in the, the show notes. It's retirement-revealed.com. Awesome. Well, uh, final question, Hannah. Tell us something about yourself that few people know about. And remember, this podcast is rated clean. So I'm going to I'm going to throw her name out there because she was just recognized as uh, I forget the official award she won, but like 100 most influential people or something. I don't remember. But if I could meet any human and I'm going to say two humans because it's like it's my thing, right? I get to pick one person or two. I would say I would love to meet Judy Human or Alice Wong. They are both um, disability rights advocates who are amazing, amazing, amazing for everything that they have done, everything that they have accomplished and continue to accomplish. That's awesome. Well, uh, hopefully next time when we have you on, I say, tell us something about yourself that few people know. You'll say, well, I met these two people. Hopefully that's what happens. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks, Anna, for, for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's been a a blast. And we've learned quite a bit about definitely a specialized topic area. So thanks for sharing that. And thank you for listening to the Retirement Reveal podcast. We believe if you know more about your money, you'll feel better about your money and you will make better money decisions. This was another great episode of the Retirement Revealed podcast. Click on the subscribe button below to automatically get our latest episodes. If you liked our show and want even more, please give us a rating and a review at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We would love to hear from you. Please go to retirement-revealed.com to learn more and send us your questions and feedback. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Kyle Financial Partners, Thrivent, or its affiliates. The guests are not affiliated with or endorsed by Thrivent Advisor Network. Kyle Financial Partners does not provide legal accounting or tax advice. Consult your attorney or tax professional. Representatives have general knowledge of the Social Security tenants. For details on your situation, contact the Social Security Administration. Kyle Financial Partners is part of the Thrivent Advisor Network, a registered investment advisor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investment advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have with your investment planning.